This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi everyone, it's Alice Cash from Jubilance for PMS and welcome to Weekly Woman. We're so excited to have you here listening to the show today because we are talking about what exactly PMS is. And then I interview Jubilant sister Laura, and she talks to us about her life living in Washington, D.C., and her period. So can't wait for you to listen today. First, we have to give it up for our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS, the only supplement on the market to help relieve your emotional PMS symptoms. This supplement is produced by a woman-run company and is the only clinically tried supplement on the market for the emotional side of PMS. Just think if you could stop all the stressing and those anxieties that accompany PMS. It's totally possible with a supplement you take once a day. Learn more if Jubilance is right for you at jubilance.com. Do you have those feelings of frustration and anxiety every month? Like clockwork, does your body feel intense stress and do you get irritable for seemingly no reason? PMS happens to 90% of all menstruating women, but researchers don't necessarily know why PMS happens particularly, because there are so many wide-ranging symptoms, so it makes it difficult to make a firm diagnosis. But there are some theories as to what causes PMS. One such cause could be the cyclical changes in hormones that occur during the course of your cycle. These fluctuations change and disappear with pregnancy and menopause, and PMS syndrome changes during this time. So a common belief is that hormone changes affect PMS. Another idea is that chemical changes in the brain lead to PMS. There are fluctuations of the neurotransmitter serotonin, that are thought to play a critical role in mood states during the PMS time that might contribute to PMS symptoms. According to the Mayo Clinic, insufficient amounts of serotonin may contribute to premenstrual depression as well as fatigue, food cravings, and sleep problems. PMS could also be caused by carbohydrate metabolism changes, according to the Children's Hospital. They say that premenstrual syndrome seems to be related to fluctuations in estrogen in the body during the cycle. With 90% of women affected by PMS at some point during their lifetimes, it's amazing that there is not necessarily knowledge on why we have PMS, but there are ways to help. There are now innovative period products to help you fight and conquer your PMS. We've come a long way when it comes to period care, but there are still stigmas around menstruation that come up every day, even with science not fully able to explain PMS. There's been a rise in different products for your cycle within the last five years. There's period underwear, which are comfortable and sustainable. The, this underwear is absorbent and prevents leaks and odor, which can sometimes hold up to four tampons worth of blood, which is amazing. Menstrual cups are now in use, and they've been around for the last, like, 10 years. So you're making your period incredibly sustainable. They're great for travel, being in water. You can wear them for up to 12 hours a day. And then there's also, like, options for PMS now, which is the company that I work for. So can't wait for you to hear more about what Laura has in store and what she has to say about her period and how she's feeling now managing my stress levels. I take on way too much, I do way too many things, and every year I tell myself I'm going to do less and less. 
but I always seem to not meet that goal every year. I've removed no stress from my life. There is um, too much to do. If you're also trying to remove stress from your life, the only thing that has helped me immensely, more than anything, has been jubilance. Uh, this PMS supplement <laughs> is a lifesaver, and most of the stress that I have to deal with is on my period, and it helps me keep my cool, find my peace, and deal with my stress and manage it better. But now that I have jubilance to help me with all this stress, I was able to get everything I need to get done. I am not overwhelmed, and I can finally put this all away and just enjoy what 2021 has to bring. Laura, um, I kind of start off with some more like fun questions. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. So excited to have you on. Um, can you talk about your favorite show that you binged during COVID? Actually, I am binging The Sopranos right now because I've never watched it before. And it's kind of a classic HBO show. And uh, I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. It's, it's a great show. Oh, I've never, I've never seen it. It's the like mafia-ish one, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. it's about a mob family in New Jersey, and um, it's just really well done. It's it's fascinating and and fantastically addictive, and uh, just I'm really I'm really glad that I've experienced this part of television history now. <laughs> cool. I know there's there's so much to watch now in all of like the streaming services, but. Like, I feel like I've exhausted all the new things because yeah. of COVID, so yeah. you have to go back and check that out. Yeah, I think going back in time can be, can be really cool, and, it, and The Sopranos is worth it, for sure. Huh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, can you talk about a favorite story from a trip you've had? I, I think that one of my favorite trips that I did recently was... Uh, I took a spontaneously, like two weeks before, this was in 2019, planned a birthday trip for one of my best friends to um, the Tulum area of Mexico. Oh, cool. And I had traveled a bit in Mexico before, but I hadn't been to the very famous, you know, Cancun and Maya Riviera area of Mexico. So I took two friends with me and we went down and one day we just went cenote hopping and cenotes are those beautiful freshwater clear pools um, that they have because of the limestone that the that the earth is made of there and they're just fantastic and they have a lot of significance and history in maya culture of, of mexico and we rented a car so we just drove around all day and went to different cenotes to swim in and it was just it's just the first thing that comes to mind when i think of good memories from traveling wow that sounds so magical they yeah. they just look like from another world yeah yeah i would love to to scuba dive in cenotes one day wow um, i didn't know you could scuba dive in them yeah yeah they have um lots of people actually one i went to there were people diving in it while i was there um, and there are some that have really interesting cave type formations and then others that are just clear and have fish and wow. um, we went to one cenote that's inside a lake. So it's roped off because you can swim in the lake and then at a certain point there's just a giant, you know, 200 drop foot off? crater drop off of a cenote. Wow. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Yeah, they're everywhere. 
That would be so cool to dive in then. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a scuba diving license? Um, I do not. I got certified to dive maybe about 10 years ago, um, actually while I was in college and um, haven't been able to go again since, but I would really love to. I would have to probably take classes and get recertified, but I did get certified once and dove in a, in a lake in Virginia. Wow, that's amazing. That was it. (laughs) So one day. That's so crazy. Wow. Okay. So tell me about your dream day from start to finish. What would it be like after COVID? After COVID, dream day would be again, like a traveling day. My dream day is when I'm on a trip and I start the day off ready to go. I leave the the house or the Airbnb, wherever I am, go get some coffee and a meal, go to a museum or some kind of natural wonder of the area or ancient ruins or whatever it may be. Um, Meet people along the way, have a full day, take a nap, wake up for dinner and then go dancing all night and just kind of absorb the culture. I'm that that would be a dream day yeah I I am definitely an introvert by nature but um I find myself thinking like now that we're in like like social distance times like oh my god how relaxing would that be to like go dancing and clubbing with lots of people right right never never in my life would I do that otherwise but I, I tend to get some kind of like superhuman energy when I'm traveling where uh at home I may you know skip the dancing to go stay home and watch Sopranos um but yeah there's something about being able to be immersed in a different culture a different environment that gives me a lot of energy wow oh I can't wait for us to be able to travel again where would you go where's the first place you'll go I think the first place I would go is actually just to visit family either in California or Colorado. So nothing, nothing outside of the country uh, immediately, but I haven't been on any planes since the pandemic started. So I think I would just get a ticket for a quick trip somewhere in the country to either visit friends or family. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah. And, and yeah. can you talk about a little bit about where you're living now? Yes, um, so I'm living in Washington, D.C. I'm originally from Arlington, Virginia, which is about 20 minutes away. It's just across the Potomac River from from D.C. And I live in an awesome neighborhood called Columbia Heights. I live in a four-bedroom apartment, um, pretty big apartment, but um, there's four of us, four, four women. And it is just a fantastic area. It's close to the National Zoo. It's close to to our metro lines. It's close to tons of bars and restaurants. And it's also a historically um, Latino and Black neighborhood. So I feel really lucky and really privileged to to be able to to share the space with the the origins of this neighborhood. Um, And I love being involved with this community to try to help keep those those origins alive as much as possible. We have pretty active civic engagement overall in DC. People are pretty um, politically aware of what's going on within their neighborhoods, within their wards, which is how the city is divided up into eight wards. Um, So people people are very empathetic, aware, active here. So it feels good to be 
um, sharing space in a neighborhood with people who really care about about the, the history and the future of the neighborhood. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I remember visiting Columbia Heights and um, it, it was always great to visit and just like all the architecture too, all that older architecture. Um, there's, I don't know if you've been, um, I mean, now it's a pandemic, so it's probably not open, but there's a wonderful Spanish language theater that's also across from that Target Gala theater. Yes, I have been. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. 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 It was, I it was really love cool. that place. And like, I don't speak Spanish at all, but just having that, like, that there is that theater space for like that community. And I saw like an old, like, play from Spain, like around Shakespeare's time, I remember I saw, and like they had subtitles, so like everyone could engage with it, but um, just the idea was so cool. Yeah, that's still there. Yeah, it's oh, awesome. awesome. I have been, I think, once. I'm not sure if I've been more than once, oh, but cool. yeah, it's a yeah. great place. My apartment, too, is um, a 1912 row house that has four mm -hmm. units in it. Um, and it's just really, it's got so much charm and character and it's just like lovely to live in an old building like that and um, be surrounded by, by beautiful architecture. Whenever I go on a, excuse me, a walk, it's just fantastic. I can see so much um, that I've never even seen even living here for a few years. That's so cool. I mean, like just behind you, is that a fireplace? Yeah, that's a fireplace with a mirror. Oh my <laughs> Um, unfortunately, they don't really have fireplaces going at too many of these old buildings in DC, but it is beautiful. It's beautiful. Those yeah. colors. Oh my God. Yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yeah. And what is your favorite part about Washington? Um, my favorite part about Washington is probably more of what I mentioned before of just like the overall culture of people being pretty, um, just the opposite of apathetic about what's going on in the world and um, striving for a better city. I think it's it's really cool to live in a place um, where there are so many intelligent and diverse types of people. Um, it's an international city, so there is so much amazing culture to learn about and absorb. And also I love DC because I'm I'm from really close by. I'm from Arlington, which used to be part of DC back in oh, its really? history. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Before wow. it was became part of the Commonwealth. And I have a lot of friends and family here. So um, it's been fantastic to be in a new place, new as in I hadn't lived here in DC proper before three years ago, but not new like if I had gone to a city with no connections. So okay. I think. Um, that's also a really wonderful thing, a wonderful experience for a young person, but having lived, moved to a city where I already knew people and had family was, was really cool. And I love that. Wow. Yeah, that, that is amazing. And that's good that it, everything is so close by. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love DC too, because it's so walkable. Like you can walk yes. like the whole city in like 30 minutes maybe, or yeah. like across, um, yeah which is great. New York is not like that, but. Very walkable, bikeable. Before the pandemic, I rode the train or the bus everywhere um, because it, you know, it has its issues, our, our, our metro system, but it is a pretty fantastic way to get around. I, I love having a train. Um, 
you it's know, so clean. I'm like so shocked. Every yeah, time. it doesn't smell like yeah. on the floor. Like New York is so gross. Yeah, <laughs> and that it's you know that's another thing I love about New York is the subway and being able to get anywhere you want to go. So the fact that a city like DC has something um, similar is is really fantastic, and I really hope that, that Metro can survive this pandemic because. Unfortunately, yeah. the ridership is way down, understandably, and I've barely gone on the train at all. But that is a thing that I really appreciate about DC is is the public transportation, for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And Laura, can you tell me a little bit about your story? What are you up to in DC? Um, that's a great question. So I was, um, prior to living in DC, working uh, with a wonderful um, Richmond, Virginia, based nonprofit that also works directly out of Guatemala. So I was living in Guatemala for a year and a half working for a nonprofit. And um, I left after a year and a half down there and came back. And as soon as I came back, I recognized that I had a lot of skills and a lot of interest um, related to assisting the Spanish-speaking immigrant population in the in the DMV, as we call it, um, District Maryland, Virginia. So just sort of like this major region. And um, I got a job working at an immigration legal services nonprofit that okay. provided free um, legal and social services and language access services to vulnerable immigrants in the area. And I worked there for three and a half years. But unfortunately, at the end of last year, I had to be let go because of the pandemic. So luckily for me, though, I'm eligible for unemployment and I am stable economically. So I've really been able to um, take this time to, first of all, I took a little break last year. Um, burnout was super real. So real. Um, I took a month or two completely off and just enjoyed my time off and now I've been doing the full-time job that is applying to jobs and yeah. hopefully we'll we'll get something soon but until then I'm I'm been able to comfortably live um without employment I mean it is nerve-wracking and and I'm and I would like to be gainfully employed again but I have been um able to make it work and have been comfortable and happy during this time so that's that's what I'm up to is a lot of a lot of self-care a lot of time to myself a lot of like job searching reaching out to people I really can't complain with the conditions that some people in this world are living in I really have no complaints about my situation so yeah doing well it's it's tough so many nonprofits have taken a hit I'm uh theater director in my like my real life Um, yeah that's like my night my night job or it was but now like doesn't exist and nonprofits that have taken such a hit in their funding and like arts organizations and charities and it's really tough right now I actually did four years of theater in high school. Really? So. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I'm really as, excited to hear. As an actor, or uh, yeah, I was doing um, acting. Yeah. Oh my! Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's something I'd really like to get back into as well. I, I I've emailed my theater teacher from high school before because she also teaches adult classes, and I really want to 
go to back to class with her. That would be um, so cool. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Do it during this time. Or yeah. even like maybe you could help with gala with your yeah. with your um Spanish language knowledge. Right. Right. Interests. Yeah. I um used to do a lot of volunteering. I um during my time coming back from Guatemala and before I got my job with the nonprofit I was working at, I was volunteering at least 30 hours a week. That's amazing. For 20 or 30 hours a week. So I, I was um, really excited about all of the volunteer opportunities around here during that time. And unfortunately, a lot of them have been sort of eliminated or oh. um, to online only. That makes and sense. so I haven't been able to pick up too much volunteer work. I did a little bit of volunteering with some mutual aid efforts in DC during oh, the pandemic, cool. but I would love to get back more involved in, in, in something that I can use my time um, to help people with. So, yeah. yeah. Wait, tell me more about Guatemala. That's incredible. Like, yeah. where were you? What were you doing? It was, um, it was incredible and I miss it a lot. I really, really, um, would love to live there again, or at least visit for a while and see all of my friends. Wow. Um, I originally went to Guatemala in 2013 on a, um, volunteer trip. Huh. Um, I had graduated college in 2012 and saw a sign in a coffee shop for, a Maya art and anthropology trip. And I studied cool. anthropology in, 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 at my university. So, wow. and I loved um, Central South American ancient culture. So I was really intrigued and I signed up to go. And the trip was amazing. It was a volunteer trip where we built um, smokeless stoves for indigenous families that cook over open fire. So um, the donation that our trip gave to the nonprofit was to purchase the supplies and pay the masons to help us build these cement stoves with chimneys to help people funnel the smoke out of their homes. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so that's one of, they do many other things, but that's one of the main things you do as a volunteer. And while I was down there, I, um, decided that I had studied French my whole life, but I studied that I, I decided that I wanted to study Spanish. Wow. Um, once I got there, I realized like, okay, this is it. I, I need to learn Spanish. And, um, after a week I canceled my flight home and I stayed for another month and, um, went to Spanish emergency school and then, um, came back to the States and then was, um, living at home with my parents in Arlington and working. And then about a year and a half later, I, I, after much pestering, I made the nonprofit that I volunteered with give me, like, accept me. <laughs> they were like, well, we don't know if we can pay you for work, but you can come down and, and volunteer with us. And so I went down there not knowing how long I would be there. And I had saved up a bunch of money working and living at home to be able to do that. And so- wow. I volunteered with them for a couple months and then they ended up hiring me. And so That's I lived incredible. down there worked for them. Yeah. Wow. What a story. And just like totally immersing yourself in Spanish from French. That is amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think 
I was um, 23 when I started learning Spanish, so I think I was young enough for it to really cement in my brain in a real way. So I consider myself fluent in Spanish. Wow. Um, I'm not as good. At, my vocabulary is a little less than it was when I was living there, but um, it's a an incredible thing, that, an incredible language and a, something I love so much and a skill I'm so glad I have or a, a part of my brain that um, can 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 converse and think in Spanish that um, that I just um, don't think would have happened if I hadn't done the immersion. I think okay. that was really the way to do it. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Wow, that was great. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll be back there one day. I miss it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Ready after the pandemic to, yeah. to welcome you back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And can you talk a little bit about Finding Jubilance? How did you find out about it? Yeah, um, I started seeing Jubilance on my, I think my Facebook. I started okay. seeing ads. And so, you know, the first time you see ads, you kind of just scroll by and you're like, okay. And then, <laughs> um, I saw it a few times and then eventually I was like, okay, what is this exactly? Because I had been aware of, um, my, I had been aware that I had PMDD since 2014. Um, and so I have been experimenting with all sorts of ways to manage it since then. And so when I saw something that said it helped with PMS relief, I decided to, to Google it and, and learn more um, after seeing those ads a few times. Oh, that's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about like, how is it making you feel? It's, it's really incredible how it is assisting with the PMDD. It almost feels like it's putting a soft blanket over it or something. Like if I could use very poetic imagery, it's like, you know, it is a, for me, I don't, should I talk about a little bit more about my experience with PMDD? Yeah, that would be PMDD great. And how jubilant, jubilant. Jubilance. Yeah. I call, I've been calling it jubilance, but I think that's wrong. Yeah, it, it's like it's like jubilance. Like like jubilance. I'm so happy. Like jubilance, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was in. Um, I was seeing a therapist in 2014 that asked me to start um, journaling about my uh, feelings during the month, just sort of monitoring. And when I, about, after about three months, she suggested to me that I might have PMDD. And oh. I'd never heard of it before. I didn't know what that was. I didn't realize that my emotions and my, um, my capacity to handle stress and my levels of depression and anxiety were going up and down throughout the month. I didn't really see a pattern there, but it was actually a therapist of mine that pointed out a pattern. Hmm. And... So that was really when it all started for me. I started realizing that my entire outlook on myself and the world changes every month. Um, and sometimes it could be for one week um, leading up to the cycle, the end of the cycle, it could be two weeks, oh. or sometimes I think I've even experienced it for more than oh. that. Yeah, so very severe levels of, um, changing response to to emotions and stressors um and so over the years i have 
done um, different types of birth control to see if that helped. I did some of my own research and found out that um, a lot of doctors will will recommend supplementing with calcium and that can help people a lot um, for reasons I'm not quite sure about. And um, yeah, apparently calcium can also help people, but I had tried other supplements like that, um, vitamin B6, calcium that I had, that had been recommended to me by various um, scientific research. And it didn't seem to help with those emotional swings throughout the month. So I've been, I've been struggling a lot with um, sort of like at when the second half of the month comes around, like at some point a dark cloud just comes over my world where I um, start to feel like a different outlook. I start to have more negative thoughts about myself and um, the people in my life. I start feeling highly triggered to stress, like things that aren't that stressful will all of a sudden just feel devastating. Um, and in, in previous years of my life, it's led me to feel incredibly unstable um, to the point where I wasn't sure um, if I needed to go on medication for any depressant, if I had some other kind of disorder like bipolar. Um, I have had suicidal thoughts before. So, and, and then once the period comes, those things all go away and I go back to normal. So it's, it, what's the worst thing is that up and down, um, and feeling normal sometimes and totally not yourself other times. And my experience with jubilance has been that those negative emotions and the intensity of those negative emotions is drastically reduced to a point that is manageable. They don't overwhelm me like a wave. I feel like if I feel something, um, I have the space between me and that feeling to not let it take over, to not react to it, to just feel it and, and have that be, have more capacity to allow uh, feelings uh, during my cycle to happen in a way that isn't just overwhelming and kind of destructive to one's mental health. Good. Oh, Laura, I'm so glad then that feelings <laughs> can help you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to feel those emotions, that roller coaster that happens every month. Um, yeah. I'm so glad that it can help. Yeah, it really has helped. Um, I have noticed a huge, huge difference in my in my mental state. Um, right. I was never expecting to eliminate PMS whatsoever. And, and I, and I also don't really think that, um, I think after all these years of having a period, I can handle a little bit of PMS, but <laughs> it's the excessive, just unbelievably emotional states and depressive episodes that are debilitating to a woman's life and that are destructive to partnerships and to productivity in life and at work. And, um, and I don't think that women need to be, you know, emotionless, like slabs of cardboard in order to get by, but um, it's not fair to have to feel that bad all the time when normally, yeah. Every month, yeah. why, why is this a thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, to feel better. Yes, 
Yes, you deserve to be able to handle it and in your own way and to be able to know that you can overcome it um, and that you can, you know, you may not be feeling perfect or tip top, but you're, you're not afraid of what you might do or feel. So that is a huge thing that I think um, all women should have that are suffering from this. And I honestly think that women in my life that I've talked to might have uh, issues with PMS that they don't even realize since it's such an understudied issue and um, it's such a taboo talk topic to even yeah. talk about which is yeah. horrifying because we experience it every month yeah like half the population experiences it at some point right it's crazy yeah and I just don't know how many people in my life are aware that some of their emotional um swings and depression and anxiety could be related more related than they think to um an abnormally long pms cycle or even let's say if you don't have pmdd and you just have really bad pms for five days before your period that still would be worth it to to not have um because if it's that bad then those five days you just don't even know what could happen mm -hmm. to you so yeah yeah Thank you so much for sharing that, Laura. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and something that I always ask on the podcast is, what is your definition of womanhood? That's a really interesting question. And it's hard to say because as I've gotten older, um, for all the you know people that are aware of contemporary gender conversations, I identify as a cisgender heterosexual woman. So that is a really interesting position to be in because I realize that not everyone has my idea of womanhood. And I've, as I've grown older, I've recognized a lot of different ideas of womanhood than, than what I thought were real growing up. And I've opened my mind and my heart to accepting other versions um, over time that I wasn't aware of or haven't experienced. And this could be through friends, reading, television, um, internet forums, everything. Just people in my life, I really listen to them. So I think womanhood is really hard to define um, because I think most people would define it as biological. And I'm not sure I, I know anymore what it is. I think womanhood is when a person feels in touch with their femininity or they identify as feminine. And if you, if you are a person with different biology than me and you identify as feminine, then I believe you because I think it's a really powerful thing to identify as. And anyone who feels like their femininity is their most precious, res precious resource or their or big part of their identity to me is a woman. And um, I think womanhood is helping others accept their feminine side and feminine nature um, in, in everyone around them. Um, I think womanhood is the strength to be able to do that, to help people understand just the feminine side of life. Um, so I hope that made sense. Yeah, I, I think that's really lovely. I love I love what you were saying about like the strength to help other people accept like anyone's femininity. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. I that always think of like Lizzo's like if you feel like a girl, then you're real like a girl. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. She knows what she's talking about. 
the voice, you know, of a younger generation and how we are seeing gender and we don't really look at it. Most of us, I guess, don't really look at it the way it was seen in the fifties of what womanhood was then. So it's, it's fascinating to see it grow and change and see more people open up conversations about what is womanhood, what is femininity, what is being a woman or feminine. Um, So yeah, I've been learning a lot over the past, you know, decade or more about this. So that my definition is still evolving. (laughs) And I think that's what's so interesting about it is that everyone has this different definition. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think it changes like second by second. Right, um, right. It'll be different in a couple days or so. Right, yeah. Laura, is there anything else you'd like to add to our listeners today? I think the the only other thing I'd like to add is if you are feeling like PMS has taken over your life even one time, it would be worth trying jubilance. Um, and I think it really has the potential to, to, to put you on a different path and let you enjoy life in a different way because you wouldn't, won't be as afraid or as overwhelmed or beaten down by PMS. It, um, I am all about access to reproductive rights, birth control. And I feel like this is maybe the next step in that is sort of like allowing women to um, experience the benefits of science. Um, I think science is a little bit behind, maybe not a little bit, a lot of it behind in a lot of ways with, um, with issues that pertain to women. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is an exciting new era of how science can help women gain better control over their bodies, maybe not control, but allow them to have more agency in in their choices. Um, Mental health is extremely important and um, it's incredibly challenging right now to maintain stable mental health with everything going on. And then if you have PMS or PMDD on top of that, it's, um, you know, it's really challenging. And I think women should really have the opportunity to, to be able to get get beyond it, just like we did with um, being able to choose whether or not we have children um, or whether or not we want to get pregnant. I think being able to choose a way to have better mental health related to our, our bodies and our cycles is the next step um, that we're, we're working towards. So why not be one of the first people experiencing that? Um, I feel like I am one of, you know, I don't know anyone else in my personal life, but I'm definitely going to recommend it to people. And so I want to recommend it to anyone else who's thinking about trying it um, to see if it helps because it's great. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much, Laura. It was so great to get to talk to you. 